It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Road Report Exiles podcast. I'm Brett Lines Davis, and today we'll be talking about Sunderland being back to winning ways with the MK Dons, previewing Lincoln away, and we've also have some of your tales from the road. And you lot have some right carry-ons getting to a few of the Sunderland matches, so it'll be quite interesting to hear some of those. As you may know, though, if you've heard the pod before, we are Sun supporters stretched across the world. So we've had supporters in France, Australia on the pod, and today. London and Lincoln, so not quite a far field um, or international, but I've got two brand new voices and you know they've got some stories to tell themselves. And my first guest I've got on tonight is Michael Potts from London. Michael, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad, thanks. How are you, Russ? You all right? I'm, I'm very well. I'm sort of like everyone at the moment in this country, I think just sick of seeing rain. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty much. Thunder and lightning at work today, which was a bit of a nightmare. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's been absolutely pouring it down here in Milton Keynes. And I'm saying, like, like I say, like the whole country is just a wash. <laughs> um, but Michael, you are a Sunderland supporter, and I'm guessing by your accent, you are from the North East. I am indeed uh, from Sunderland, born and bred uh, in the glorious, glorious part of Sunderland, uh, Silksworth. Um, yeah, just basically grew up, born and raised, Mark, and went to the went to the matches for about ten years for the season ticket, and then was exiled, exiled away for work to London, and it's a bit like being sort of starved of football, pretty much. Like you, <laughs> I think, with especially being down in League One and stuff, there's not as many uh, London London teams, London games. So yeah, it really was a bit of a, an exile story for work. <laughs> I guess I started off with um, the, the Phillips and Quinn days. thought it was always going to be like this. Uh, my family aren't even that bothered about football, really. I think I think my dad had a bit of a thing for Liverpool a while ago uh, when he was a teenager, but, um, like everybody, I guess, back then. But yeah, I, I could have avoided all of this. <laughs> but here I am. And yeah, made a lot of bad choices watching, watching the lads up and down the country. And uh, yeah, try to get to as many games as I can while I'm down here. So how, how long have you been living down in London for? I've uh, been about three and a half years down here now. Um, oh, so you, you would have seen that the big change then from being, yeah. as I noticed myself, being in the Premier League where you are constantly on the news, where we are now sort of forgotten about in League One. Yeah, well, I, I came to London actually. It was, pre- I think, it was about the week before the Everton games, the Chelsea games, at the end of that Allardyce season. Oh, the, the uh, fabulous I, Everton and Chelsea games! One. Yeah, I had a season ticket that year, that year um, but had to move. I think it was about the April that year, so I ended up watching. I think I watched the Everton game at work, and I was absolutely just homesick beyond belief. 
because <laughs> I was working the late shift. Uh, watch the Chelsea game in a, a pub, uh, the Albion. I think a few, few Sunderland lads from down here sometimes meet up there, and uh, oh, just went absolutely, absolutely wild when Defoe scored when Kasri scored. Yeah, so that Chelsea game. I was actually at my um, my niece's. I was like a third or fourth birthday, mm-hmm. and there was there was me and my dad sat on their front doorstep <laughs> listening to the radio, completely ignoring all these kids that were inside having a having a great time. Class. And I was just literally dancing around the garden when those goals went in. <laughs> yeah, well, we ended up, I think the second goal, everybody was jumping about going, going mad. And uh, they actually flicked the telly off because it was getting a bit it was getting a bit rowdy. <laughs> Nothing going on, just people dancing about. And then when the third one in, that was it. TV went off, didn't see the celebrations. It was, uh, it, <laughs> we, had to, we had to whisper celebrate, I think, by the end. But um, no, very good memory, very good memory. Good no, times. They were good times. And did you get to many away games now? I think so. I think you was at the Peterborough game, weren't you? There's a few of us I was. for that day. Yeah, I was at the Peterborough game. That was my first one of the season. Um, again, like, I think some of the, the the games are still a couple of hours away and things. There was only sort of Charlton and Wimbledon maybe actually in London last season. Yeah, but I made it up to Peterborough. Uh, wish I hadn't gone. That was <laughs> a thoroughly, thoroughly miserable one. But yeah, I think all my mates down here they just sort of they, they don't quite get it. They just they just see me coming in miserable from occasional weird days. Just oh, it's another one one draw. They, 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 must, they must they just, just assume that every Monday you're all really, really miserable just because you hate going yeah. back to work. Yeah, pretty much that. It's like little do they know the reason. <laughs> <laughs> Nice one. Um, I'm also joined um, on the line by another new voice. It is Paul Hunter, who's also in London. Paul, how are you doing? Yes, very good, Brett. Very good. I'm dry. I'm, uh, yeah, I've dodged the rain this evening, so yeah, all good. Good man. And um, Paul, like, like I say, like I said to Michael just then, you know, what, what's your story? Obviously, you're down in London. Where do you hail from originally? Born and, and raised in Sunderland. Grew up on not too far from Michael, actually, on the the main streets of East Harrington. And yeah, made my debut at Roker Park as a young lad. Kind of, you know, you take the homemade wooden stand, put it on the railings, and didn't have a clue what was going on, probably, but you know, start, you start to get into it that way through your dad. And then got a season ticket when the stadium light opened. Me and my dad, friends, uh, my mum and my sister, all four of us had season tickets. And it was just the right time, you know, the kind of Quinn Phillips era, really good football. And again, like Michael's just said, you think, oh, this is great. I can get used to this. And then my, ex- my exile, I guess, kind of started with, it kind of coincided when we started getting, you know, crap to kind of 15-point seasons and, and so on. Uh, I went to university, so I was away from home. And then after university, I went out to America, actually, um, which was supposed to be six months, but turned into four years. I was, yeah, I was coaching football out there. Absolutely loved it. Uh, so, yeah, I was watching, you know, games at stupid o'clock on Fox uh, and so on. I would come back for Christmas and get to games on Boxing Day and, and, and things like that, but yeah, so I'd been exiled there. I actually stayed with a family in America. They had four boys who were all into football or, or soccer. And uh, yeah, I really got them into Sunderland. And uh, yeah, we'd take off like shirts for them and and so on. Yeah, I still keep in touch with them. And one of them in particular is still a massive fan. He, he messaged me all the time on Facebook about, you know, the results and how things are going. And I have to sign off every message with, I'm really, really sorry, Matt. Yeah, because that wasn't his choice. He could have had a, a Chelsea or Liverpool or Man City fan come stay with him. So, yeah, so I, I was in America for a while and I, I moved back to Sunderland. I actually worked for the foundation for a short while. Um, the SFC Foundation, I was on their coaching team. So I would go into schools and 
do some of their coaching programs in the northeast which was really good but it was a very job and I think the sort of little bit of the tip of the iceberg was one day my boss said I've got a job for you and I said oh yeah what's that and he said um I want you to be Samson the cat today and that was the point where I just thought you know I, I need more than this <laughs> so I um oh please please tell me you did it once though sure no I didn't I didn't I um some of the guys sort of stepped in yeah and I, I went home and said ma'am um I think that's me done I think it's time to move so I I uh, moved away and I had friends down in London I sort of channeled my inner Dick Whittington and yeah I've been down here for uh, about eight years now yeah got a job in recruitment as you do put the, the sports science degree to good use and yeah eight years later here I am surely that sports science degree should have been put used to being Samson the cat uh, Sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna have to come back onto that because I'm really disappointed you wasn't Samson for at least a day and wasn't isn't Tony Davidson the MD? Oh, yeah, he is. Uh, so one of the one of the top dogs at the club now used to be Samson the Cat. So yeah, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, I should have took it. God knows where I'd be right now. So Paul, for yourself then, because how often sort of do you get to get to games then? I would go home about four times a year, including Christmas, and I always try and coincide that with a home game to get to. So that's the sort of home side of things. Then Michael's just said any away games down here, I'll try and get to. Went to Charlton last year season before that was Brentford, Fulham, QPR. Um, so yeah, any opportunity I, I get, but you know, it's, it's not easy, but um, yeah, it's got to take any chance you can really. Well, I see if you're going to be joining the rest of the um, Exiles, uh, yes. Jolly Boys out onto Wickham, aren't you? There's a few of us sort of got our names down for that one. Yeah, really looking forward to that. Should be a good day. I've never been to Wickham before. So yeah, it's uh, it's one to tick off. And uh, I mean, each of their own, but I'd say away days can be more fun sometimes, can't they? I was for me, and I'm sure the other guys will probably agree with it. Away days are always better than home games. Um, now I don't know if that's obviously because, like for me, going up to the Stadium of Lights, a three and a half hour car journey. Yeah, you know, there and back in a day. You know, but the away days, the crowd are always up for it. It's always a good time. You know, obviously, well, not always. You'll see the results, but yeah, you know, you often have great. You know, the old phrase, you know, a great day at the football ruined by the football. Yeah, no, yeah, completely agree. Yeah, and that I guess, is supporting Sunderland. So yeah, and being a big fish in a small pond, as a you know, in terms of League One, I guess you know the home fans have a little bit. You know, they they're up for it more, aren't they? You know, when Sunderland come to town. So yeah, it's it's good fun. No, definitely. As I said, the only other good thing about you know, really only good thing about dropping down to League One, and you know, hopefully this season we'll get out of it. Was yeah. there was was a lot of new grounds to tick off. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and they're they're proper football stadiums, aren't they? I mean, I know times have changed and you've got to move on, but some of these places are proper football stadiums. So yeah, it's it, it's a good it's a good thing to have. Oh yeah, it's a lot it's a lot of fun standing on the terrace at Burton. You know, compared <laughs> to when you you know I was getting bored of sitting at sort of like Stamford Bridge. So it's um yeah, it's, yeah. but yeah, I don't want to stay here though. Let's get <laughs> let's get this season. But Paul, I will come back to you because obviously you was at the um, yes. MK Dons game this weekend. But I won't leave him hanging on. I will say hello also to uh, John Stacey, who has been on the show before. Obviously, this week we are playing his local team, Lincoln. John, how are you? I'm all right, Brett. How are you? Well, actually, you've already answered that. We've we've done this on the last pod where everybody keeps asking you how you are. But yeah, I escaped the rain quite a lot today as well. So let's keep it consistent with the rain talk. Um, (laughs) I was um, quite wet at one point, but definitely managed to get out of it to get me free Costa coffee. Hopefully everybody got got a Costa coffee today. Don't worry, I got my Costa coffee as well. (laughs) I will come back to you though, mate. Um, Obviously, because you've got your your guide to Lincoln. Oh God, Um, yeah. 
for us that I'm looking <laughs> really forward to hearing about. That should be really, really interesting and very helpful for all Sun supporters coming to the match this weekend. You're building um, this up far too much, Brett. John's got some nice places <laughs> to go to, if you like a bistro or a coffee shop, I'm sure. <laughs> but I will get down to talking um, about Saturday's game. So we finding over well, two wins in a row, if you count the cup game against Sheffield United, beat MK Dons 2-1. Another absolute worldie from um, Max Power. Um, Luke 9 taking his goal very well. Don's put it back to 2-1. We, well, we, it looks like we may have held on. So, Paul, you know, what were your thoughts on um, on Saturday? It was, a, it was a real funny one, actually. Ultimately, we made really hard work of it. And coming out of the stadium and walking back across the bridge, it, it, just, it was a bit of a funny feeling. I think if you hadn't been to the game and you were amongst that crowd and someone said, you know, what do you think the result was? I, I don't think many people would have said, you know, it was a Sunderland win, if that makes sense. It, it felt more like a, a, a draw or... There, there were some positives. There were some good individual performances, which I'm sure we'll get onto. The two new lads at the back in Lynch and Debock, I thought were really good, um, considering it was their first home game. O nine 9 was, was excellent. He was my man of the match. But... Uh, apart from that and apart from uh, two excellent goals, of course, as you've just mentioned, it's, something just wasn't quite there. We, we really made hard work of it. If we'd have been playing better opposition, we, we might have got punished. But, you know, we have to take the three points and we have to be positive and move on. But, yeah, definitely work to do, in my opinion. No, and I think that's, for, for me, that is, you know, what we need to take from this at the moment. There's been a, a lot of um, negativity, obviously, from the previous Bolton game. Um yeah. But in my eyes, it is two wins on the bounce. I'm pleased we seem to be having in like the centre of the park, McGeoch, Power, and then I sort of nine in front of them. I was saying this the other day, and I think that needs work to gel. I'll bring it, Michael, yourself. Are you, you know, obviously with Power scoring again, I'd say he's probably nailed that, you know, middle of the park slot. Would, would you yeah. agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think Power's a funny one. I think he's always had that. Uh, well, we've seen before he even signed for us. He, he always had that sort of rocket shot in his locker, and it just felt in a lot of games he, he was he was almost quite passive. Um, he wasn't particularly, you know, going for it uh, with, with any particular venom in his strikes. Uh, he just looked a bit sort of on the leash, I guess. And I think in the last couple of games, you've just seen what he is actually about. Um, he's not this, you know, sit back and, and take it easy sort of midfielder. He has got that bit of a dynamite hitting him, and, and I just think. You know, in a time when we're we're struggling to turn draws into wins, I think that's the sort of player who, out of nowhere, can turn that one-one into that two-one. I was actually, it was funny. I was just thinking a couple of weeks ago that we haven't actually scored that many tremendous goals in a while. I know that's a bit of a weird thought to have, but I just think that a lot of the goals we score um, tend to be, I don't know, neat finishes or, or headers or whatever you like. But we haven't really scored too many rockets, so it's nice to actually see that we're having a goal from a bit further out. Don't know if that's something Jack Ross has changed. I'm not sure if that's something he's he's given power license to do, but he's he's obviously so good at it. No, nothing. I, I actually agree with that. I've, I've said previously that we seem to have a lot of players who are afraid to shoot. Um, mm. And you know, and I so said they don't want to get the you know you don't you, you can't sort of compare it to like when Arsenal just you know try and pass it into the net sort of thing. But yeah, they're nowhere near that good. But we <laughs> you know just the ball's about 25 yards out and there's, there's a shot. Go for it. If it takes a deflection, mm. if it you know, might hit a corner, could do anything. Well, but, it's that unpredictability, isn't it? I, th- I think especially in especially in League One, where the keepers aren't they're not Premier League class keepers. You're disrespectful of them, of course, but they're they're not elite level keepers. And 
And there are some of them who, if you pepper them with shots, they're going to drop one, they're going to spill one. Uh, whether it goes straight into the back of the net, whether it falls to a striker who's ready to tap in somewhere, like Greg to to pick up on the pieces. Yeah, I just think you've got to, got to go for it, you know? Um, people yeah. like Maguire as well, he's, he's a similar sort of character who can do that. That's definitely it. And um, John, obviously we'll say, while we're sort of still discussing you know, the midfield there, what are your thoughts with McGeoch and then also O'Nine playing that more forward role? Yeah, from from what I've heard and 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 from what I've seen, I definitely echo what Michael said there um, regarding power. First of all, I think he's and and maybe some other members of the team. I think the the reason why I feel like he's got a bit of freedom and he's taken these chances and he's probably whipped a couple of goals out of nowhere when he previously would have been passive is probably because of the lack of a lead better behind him. I've got a feeling that there's a bit of a change in setup almost. I know we've kind of consistently played with a number 10 or someone there but I think playing McGee can power rather than um, Ledbetter and another person is you've got someone McGee going to get backwards and forwards power gets backwards and forwards you, they've got like for like it almost in there Dobson's the same and um, when Ledbetter plays as we all know and he, he sort of sits very deep and and the other person kind of has, has a lot of work to do. And I think the other the other reason Power's been let free a little bit is the lack of McGeady. And I remember, uh, I just sort of remembering back to the other part that Alex and the guys did, there was talk of kind of uh, the freedom that players got when McGeady wasn't in the team. Um, and it definitely seemed like that. The last couple of games, the Sheffield United game and um, MK Dons, it definitely seemed like without McGeady in the team, as much as he's a brilliant player, um, some of the players are stepping up and feeling a bit more freedom to take chances. Maybe it is that sort of subconscious fear of, you know, if we take a rubbish chance here rather than passing it to McGeady, he's going to have a pop or everyone's going to think, why didn't you pass to McGeady? Um, and I especially, I especially think about that about the midfielders, the centre midfielders. And I think that's definitely showing with power. Um, McGee can and I am definitely looking more free than any other trio that we've had in there so it'd be interesting to see what happens on Saturday and, and, and when McGeady comes back I've got a horrible horrible sinking feeling that because we're away which just seems ridiculous Ross will play Ledbetter even though Logic would think we'll play Ledbetter at home where it's a bit more comfortable for him I don't know but <laughs> I've just got this horrible feeling Ledbetter will come back in but surely not you know McGee can power done really well um can't fault a nine. Surely you can't drop him back to right back with Conor McLaughlin playing pretty well and um, and him scoring. So, so yeah, I think. Well, that was one of the things because um, I've I'm, so I'm not lost out by any stretch of imagination. But one thing that is quite clear about him is that he doesn't really know his first eleven. And I think one of the things that doesn't help us is the fact that we're constantly changing partnerships throughout the team. Yeah. So in the centre of the park where you've got obviously McGeoch and Power at the moment, who, who really should be the first to in there, they keep interchanging with Dobson and um, Ledbetter. Now, mm. these players need to get they need to build a relationship with each other. Yeah. You know, it's all about you know your partnerships, isn't it? So like your centre midfielders, your centre defenders, you know, if you want your your right back and your right winger overlapping each other or things like you know, any just partnerships are out the pitch. So yeah. the more consistency, in my eyes, the better. And one of the questions I was actually going to throw out there when you sort of did highlight it a little bit there was McGeady. Now, mm. if McGeady obviously has got a foot injury at the moment, there was a, I think Ross made a comment just after the Don's game saying that it's improved over the week. So, you know, I think you know, it, may, it may improve again this week. If Aidan McGeady is fit, and I'll throw this out to all three of you, if he is fit, 
would you play him on Saturday? And I'll pick on Paul first. So if Paul said, no, would you play McGee Would he start in your eyes for Saturday? Oh, if he's fit, 100. percent I have to be completely honest. I think if Aidan McGee is fit, he's the first name on the team sheet every single week, and that's just being completely honest. Even an 80 percent fit, Aidan McGee is, uh, yeah, he's first on the team sheet for me. I know we rely on him too much, but he he just takes us to. Uh, well, he, he he can take results from a draw to a win and can get us out of some, you know, sticky situations. Yeah, he, he's he's first on the team sheet for me. Okay, Michael, what was your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I get what you're saying there with with power maybe having a bit more freedom to, to express himself a bit maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that I think when McGeady is fit, um, when he's a hundred percent fit, I think that's maybe the difference uh, in opinion there. I think if he's only eighty percent fit, if he's ninety percent fit. Maybe there's not quite the same urgency to rush him back. Uh, but I think when he is 100% fit, um, then for me, he plays. Whether that, I mean, I guess that now falls to Jack Ross to, I, I don't want to say restrict McGeady, but maybe push him further out wide and, and keep him there rather than sort of free rolling around into, into power spaces or, or whoever else's space or nine. But yeah, I just think when he's playing, you can't, you can't not. He's, he's technically he's the best player in the league um, and any team would would adore to have him in, in their starting eleven. So I think, yeah, we maybe have to be a bit more clever with how we use him. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he's fit, he plays for me. And then, um, John, I know you just saw a touch on it. So are you, are you McGeady in or out? I'm going to lean, I'm going to be controversial and lean towards McGeady out, I think. Um, I'm probably going to sit on the fence but lean towards that side a bit because I agree with what the lads have said. He is the best player. He's quality, first name on the team sheet. All makes sense. However, the way they've played without him as a team... Um, not just the, in his position, you know, the players that have come in. I know Embleton's injured and what have you, but you've got the different players that have slotted in there. I also think that against Lincoln, um, not that I know a massive amount of them, I haven't been following them deeply, but I, I know of their players, they've got fullbacks that will come forward. Um, and I just think you're chucking in an, an unfit McGeady when potentially they're going to be roaming forward and overlapping. I'd like to see, even if he's um, not fit on the bench, uh, and, and even potentially going forward, if we can continue the form we've, we're doing without him, I'll echo the comments of, uh, I think it was Lauren from Sun FM, who said on the on the last podcast with Alex, um, she said that she wouldn't bring him back in, she'd bring him in off the bench last sort of 20, 30 minutes, and because he's that kind of marquee player that he can change a game, you know, if we're one all or we're losing. It's one of those things, I know I kind of agreed with you about not chopping and changing, but I guess in this instance, even though he is quality, if the team's playing well, why shake it up, you know? And, and I know we've got injuries and stuff, but I just feel like it might be a bit of a too much of a risk. Yeah, I don't think I'd go for it this Saturday, even if he's fit. I think I'd have him on the bench. Lincoln's sort of like a tricky team to play against. If we're struggling, chuck him on for the last 25, 30 minutes. Um, and I definitely think that potentially going forward... Um, unless he can, unless the other lads can sort of carry on this freedom with him in the team, I'd be a bit concerned about him coming in every week because we are relying on him too much. Well, I, I do get that last point. There. Literally, you said they rely on him too much. We, we definitely do. Isn't my, that's my only thought? Because as again, echo what everyone has always said, isn't there's no, um, you know, there's no doubt in he is clearly, you know. One of, if not the best player in this league, you know what you're saying. You know, bring him off, off the bench. What an amazing sub that is to have in League One, Aidan McGeady. Um, but and again, to echo what Michael said, we just, I think, trying to get that team to play to its, you know, not not over the rely on him, but 
you know, not also restrict him. It is a difficult one. It is a difficult one. It's all about opinions. So it's, um, you know, but I'd probably, you know, I'd like to see him come off the bench if anything and just keep with that, that winning team of, um, you know, from this weekend. Now, one other change that did get made, not so personnel wise, but we've actually had um, obviously Willis as captain. Now, I've sort of said, you know, for a few weeks, I think we've lacked leaders on the pitch. I, I, I like him being a captain, even more fact, I think he'll play nine out of ten times as opposed to Ledbetter. Again, what you know, with him, with Lynch, with the Bock at the back, all of a sudden things seem a little bit more solid, although we didn't keep a clean sheet. Again, Paul, you was at the game on, on Saturday. What were your thoughts on, on that as a back four eh, with McLaughlin as well, you know, on the right-hand side? Is that a better sort of combination we've now got at the back? Have we found an answer? Yeah, I think that has to be the, the back four going forwards, bar injuries or suspensions. I thought that was arguably, apart from our ninth performance, I think that was the big plus. Lynch and Willis looked at a, a good partnership in the making. I think I saw... Uh, something on social media today. Someone said we haven't had that kind of combination since Kone and, and Kabul, and, and I would agree with that. Um, they both just look like they enjoy defending and they enjoy sticking their head on things, and but they look like League One centre halves. If I'm an opposition striker and I'm lining up against Willis and Lynch, I, I'd be thinking, oh God, I'm in for a tough one here. Where if I was lining up against Flanagan and uh, I, I, I know it's not based on looks, but to me, they look more like they should be, I don't know, modeling for ASOS than uh, <laughs> center halves on, on a Saturday in league one. They, they, they're just too soft and too easy to score against in my opinion. But I thought Lynch yeah, really solid, put his foot in. He's left footed as well, I think, which uh, helps on that sort of side of center half. And yeah, Debock was, was, was really, really impressive. I thought he looked like he'd, Played at a high level, which he has. He's played with Club Bruges in in Europe, I think. I yeah, yeah, he's, play, he's playing in the Champions League. So yeah. I know, I know the Leeds fans. On again, you're going off social media, but Leeds fans didn't think a lot of him. But so the two games, you know, he's played so far have all been positive. Yeah, it just doesn't work out at clubs, does it? I mean, we we know about that better than anyone, really. And and maybe a new lease of life is what he needed. And he looks, yeah, he looked more of a left back than, than Hume to me. So. Yeah, really happy about that. Nice, no, so that's good stuff, mate. So, um, so that's the thing that was always been lacking for us is that defence. You know, we need, again, we've all said it. We, you know, it's not. We need to get clean sheets. We need, you know, we're not outscoring teams. We need to start defending better and not letting them score. So, we yeah. do look ahead to Saturday to Lincoln this weekend. Um, now, obviously, they started the season really well. It was like three wins out of three. But however, they've only taken one point from the last six. Now I always call it the Adiak and Bayi law that if a team needs you know needs a win or a player needs a goal you know play against Sunderland and you'll get that. <laughs> um, for M- Michael, I'll throw a question out to you. Um, for this weekend, would you make any other sort of changes to the team? One of the uh, things that's all talk about is Burgeon McLaughlin. Yeah, that, I saw that actually quite a lot on Twitter, and and this is one of the ones where probably being in exile probably doesn't work out. It's it's not ideal because for me. Uh, McLaughlin. Every time I saw him last season, he was he was phenomenal, and I know he was a, again in my only experience this season. Peter Bray was maybe a little bit suspect for Madison's free kick, but for me, just think he's such a good, reliable goalkeeper. And I almost I wonder whether people are just looking for any because because there's not like one specific problem with our team when we have you know got the draws and things. And I'm, I'm just wondering whether people are 
maybe just looking at every single possibility for what could be going wrong and that at some point is going to come round at the goalkeeper. By all accounts, Burge has done phenomenal uh, in his appearances so far and I think it's, it's great to have that competition. But I just think for now, if it ain't too broke, I don't, I don't really think we need to fix it when it comes to the goalkeeper situation. Uh, it's not like sort of dropping Hume uh, for Debock or a, a striker for another striker. I think it's probably a bit of a confidence blow if you have you know, a full season, probably player of the season, barring maybe McGeady. And then suddenly from a couple of games with not nothing particularly awful, you know, it may not have been 10 out of 10 each, each week, but when nothing too wrong, too drastically wrong has happened, it might just seem a bit harsh, a uh, bit of a confidence breaker to, to suddenly drop him like that. And I've got to echo what was said there about uh, Lynch, Debock, Willis. I think Willis, whenever I've seen him, uh, he just looks like the real deal for me. Lynch, again, I haven't seen him in the flesh, but he looks like such a solid big guy. Uh, no nonsense, no sort of, uh, I guess, Oz Turk. I like him, but you, you never get that confidence from him. And so I think if you've got this, you know, assured two two centre backs sitting there, then that's that's a good thing to build on. Um O nine for me probably stays where he is uh, in midfield. Again, I think um, he's he's clearly got something about him when it comes to, you know, I mean that finish the other day was a it was a good finish. I know it, it touched the post, but um, he, he does have a goal in him and he does have he's, he's a hard hard worker uh, and it's it's nice just to see him sort of connecting the dots I guess from from left to right uh, a little bit behind him and and whoever's up front so I think he could be could be pretty uh, pretty sitting pretty in that number 10 slot uh, so yeah I don't think we really need to change too much I'm still clinging on to some hope that Will Griggs going to come good um, whether that is completely misplaced who knows um, I'd, I'd love to see him and start and score a goal. You know, just have an absolute, you know, blinder of a game. But whether that's going to happen, who who knows? But yeah, I, I wouldn't really change too much, especially uh, with the goalkeeper situation. I think I'd probably stick as it is for now. But Burge deserves all the praise, all the praise he gets. And um, John, you always like to um, go against opinion. With where are you standing with uh, Burge and McLaughlin then? I'll stay consistent and go against opinion. Um, <laughs> I definitely think that Burrs deserves a bit of a bash. I think for two reasons. First of all, is kicking. Um, McLaughlin's been mega suspect for over, well, since he's been at Sunderland, his kicking hasn't been great and his touch hasn't been great. And Burrs has got a massive kick on him. Like in the Sheffield United game, like the highlights I did see because I was away for work, I didn't get to watch it and stuff. But Every single sort of kick was just like three quarters of the pitch. It was like Pickford-esque. So that's the first reason. Second reason, um, I, I, I agree with Michael. I agree with most of what you're saying with regards to the confidence. And he deserves the plaudits, McLaughlin, because he's brilliant. He's a top-class keeper. However, being a keeper is a confidence game anyway before you think of being dropped and things like that. And he has been responsible for two or three crucial goals, really, if you want to call them crucial goals, depending on your opinion. You know, Madison's against Peterborough was the first goal. That set the sort of like tone, really, and that was definitely his fault. I was behind the goal. I'm probably going to get hammered for saying this, but he can't take crosses or corners. He's like he's, It's like he's scared of coming out for them. Burge was imperious against Sheffield United. He was coming out. He was scaring the strikers. So I just think maybe it's time for a switch. But having said that, I honestly don't think it would be major shakes uh, leaving McLaughlin in. He's obviously a quality keeper. I'm not scared of leaving him in. I just think that it's probably about time to give Burge a go. 
And then really, uh, you know, uh, my second controversial point, sorry, I'm going to get absolutely hammered for this, but the back four idea of you all talking about the back four staying the same, I want that to stay the same as well, but mainly because I really like Conor McLaughlin at right back. <laughs> I've never not liked him at right back. When he was playing earlier in the season at right back, I thought he was a good signing, a brilliant right back. I've had sort of arguments with people about this because people are saying he's not, he can't go forward like an iron. He can't do this like an iron, do that like an iron. He's a right back. He's Northern Ireland international. He's done, uh, he's, he's got quality experience at different levels at right back. I honestly think that with a bit of confidence and a few games behind him at right back, he could be uh, a mainstay for the rest of the season. And he showed some decent form the past couple of games. Um, so fingers crossed he'll carry it on. But I just don't want him switching to left back. I don't want, uh, by the looks of things, I don't want an iron going to right back. So I've kind of got my fingers crossed for him to do well and and kind of sort of shut everyone's gobs who's been saying that he's like the worst footballer ever kind of thing. But yeah, the final point for me for the change of the team, I don't think we should really shake anything up exactly the same as the other lads have said. Keep keep the majority the same. My only concern really, and 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 I'm and I'm just kind of keeping an open mind and not wanting to put a name on it. But who's going to play left wing? Maguire's been terrible the last few games. I think uh, Gucci is doing well on the right. You've got Embleton injured now. Uh, I just I, I'm not sure we've got the depth there. Um, will Ross pull? a weird one out of the bag and put Hume left wing or something weird like that. I'm just not sure about that one, really. That's my worst fear at the minute for the for the team. Um, I, I'd echo um, Michael as well saying about the striking situation. White's been off off form, but I like Charlie White. But then at the same time, I kind of really want Grigg to start banging him in and where better than my hometown club, you know, just to start banging him in at Sinsel Bank. That'll be brilliant. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on the team. Um, semi-controversial, I suppose. As always, John. As always, <laughs> uh, Paul. I said, I'll let you have the last word on on you know what you think will be the team for uh, this weekend's game. You um, well, I've had two opinions actually. One for Birch, one for McLaughlin. Where do you stand? Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to have to go with Michael. Unfortunately, John. Sorry about that. Boo. I, I do see where where John's coming from. Uh, I think the nice thing about this is. Burge is going to get his his chance in the forthcoming weeks. We've got a game, I think, a week. Or oh, next Tuesday, sorry, against Grimsby in the checker trade or whatever it's called now. And barring we don't cancel the game at home to Fleetwood, Burge will get his chance, so he'll get two games in 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 a week. So I think it's better to do to do it that way instead of dropping McLaughlin because if if Burge comes in, if we drop McLaughlin, Burge comes in and doesn't do as well as as we hope, then that arguably leaves us in a in a worse situation than than we are now. So um. I do get it. McLaughlin has been a bit ropey this season, but yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being very sentimental based on what he did last year. I, I still don't think it's, you know, it's battle stations yet where we have to, to drop him. And it would be nice to get a sort of triangle with McLaughlin, Willis and Lynch, in my opinion. So that's what promotion teams are built on. So um, yeah, I, I would leave it as it is for now. Midfield, yeah, leave, leave that triangle of McGeeck, Power and 09. I thought 09 was... was Absolutely class. It was really nice to see a midfielder actually running past our striker. We haven't seen that for, for some time. And he's a yeah, he's just so enthusiastic and it, it rubs well, I was gonna say it rubs off on others, but with this lot it doesn't sometimes. Yeah, leave it as it is. The wingers we we've kind of covered, we can talk about the striker. I, I I really don't know what the option is. I really want to see Grig get off the mark as we all do, but yeah, we just gotta yeah, hope that that'll happen hopefully this weekend. 
Hopefully it will kick on. Now, speaking of this weekend, now I did mention it earlier. I know a lot of people are talking about it on Twitter and just in just everywhere, really. John Stacey's guide to um, Lincoln away. So, um, John, if, if I was going to the game on Saturday, unfortunately I'm not, I'm not doing this one, but if I was going to go to Lincoln, um, where, where should I be heading for uh, to see the sights of Lincoln? Well, <laughs> there's lovely things to see all over Lincoln. Um, the first thing I'd do is probably zip up my top so no one can see your red and white stripes, unless it's kind of you've decided to sort of change the red and white stripes to the Lincoln ones. But no, I think, um, yeah, there's lots of nice things to see, lots of nice pubs, lots of nice um, places to go. I think there's a couple of places I'd steer clear of just to sort of get the negative out of the way straight away. Um, Near the ground, there's quite a few pubs. Um, There's Shakespeare and the Blue Anchor. um, that are very, very strong Lincoln City home crowd fans. Those of you who may know of uh, the LTE, the Lincoln Transit Elite, um, they are... An old-fashioned firm, I suppose, if you want to call it that way. There's no... um, I don't think they're really a thing anymore. I think in this day and age, it's nowhere near as bad as it used to be in the old days. But yeah, they're definitely sort of like home pubs, if that makes sense. I don't think they'd be trouble. I just think you'd feel ever so out of place and wouldn't necessarily be welcomed um, as as much as you would in other pubs. So uh, I'd definitely stay clear of them too. Um, the Golden Eagle's been shouted about as an, as an idea. Um, I used to think that was very similar to the other two, but apparently the last sort of like, I've been sort of hearing reports that um, the last couple of seasons, um, a lot of uh, kind of decent away traveling fans have had a good time at the Golden Eagle, good laugh. Um, but generally I think most of the pubs, as long as long as long as you're not, being an absolute tit then no one's going to be an idiot with you it's a pretty lively crowd they're a good crowd Lincoln City considering it's a small ground and what have you Um, every game I've ever been to sort of as a neutral there's definitely been a good vibe and a good atmosphere Um, and when they can pack it out it's really good Um, it's a good sound and no doubt it'll be banging on um, Saturday because they'll probably fill it up yeah as far as the sights and sounds and stuff you can get there fairly early There's, there's obviously quite a nice high street quite a nice uphill area that's about kind of half an hour's walk away from the ground that's like a medieval quarter if anybody likes the history um one of the oldest i think the oldest cathedral in the uk etc um so there's some nice little sights to see um but if you're just coming in for the game the the ground's actually about five minutes walk from the train station five or ten minutes walk from the train station the pubs are sort of on the way to the ground so it's all nice and easy a nice big pub, to be fair, that'll be quite sort of buzzing um, towards the start, towards the game time, I suppose, will be the the Ritz Weatherspoons, which is really close to the train station. But then having said that, I've got contrasted reports that it's like really, really uh, uh, staunch sort of Lincoln City now. So I don't know anymore. I'm kind of out of touch with it all. So it's a bit of a rubbish tour guide uh, situation I'm in right now. But um <laughs> I definitely think that you've got a few options and it should be all right. So uh, there's plenty of things to do and see. Um, but the main thing the main thing will be a massive uh, Sunderland win, fingers crossed. Um, and I'll be uh, keeping my head down for the next few weeks if it's not a Sunderland win. So. Oh, yeah, tell me about that. Obviously, we're playing, we played the MK Dons this weekend and I couldn't think of anything worse had we lost to them. I'd have been embarrassed here and not keen. So, uh, yeah, I'll get that one. Um, but I thank you, John, for your uh, in, you know, exciting guide to Lincoln away. Now, what we have, though, um, been asking today on Twitter was to really find out about your stories 
on the way to games and troubles you've had and adventures you've been on. It's all tales on the road. Now, you know, I just going on from a few of these, and I'll read some out in a moment. Um, we went to Reading away. Um, I think I must have been about 14, 15. So we're talking, you know, nearly 20 odd years ago. Pouring, if I feel like today actually, pouring down the rain the whole day. Traffic was an absolute nightmare. We got to the grounds at about, I think it was about five minutes past four. Um, so we missed the whole first half. We missed the guy. We were on 2 0. I can't remember exactly. But yeah, so we you know, drove all the way for uh, 40 minutes football, but thankfully we won. Now, hearing some of the stories today, yeah, you lot have a bit of a carry on, really. Um, I'll go through some of these. So you've got um, the South Standers wrote in saying, Stoke away, uh, left 7.30 a.m., freezing. Now, you remember this was actually one where it was in the snow. Um, because they say the game was nearly called off because of the snow. We won 1 0 via James McLean goal. Um, the ball went moving parts of the pitch. Three-hour journey took seven hours as the bus overheated. Um, and then he got off the bus, slipped over the ASL, and of course, he'll do it all over again. Um, <laughs> which there was a... Gary Lawson wrote, there's been a few. Port Vale in 97, I think. Bus got lost. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, so missed, missed some of the first half, and we were already two or three nil down bloke burnt my new top of a fag at the same time so again absolutely perfect day adam Thika, mk dons away in the cup um 2012 on my birthday so this was an evening kickoff actually the bus set a light on the way home <laughs> uh, <laughs> stood on the side of the motorway for three hours in the pouring rain before a taxi service to the, uh, taxi to the service station we're waiting for a new bus to come from sunderland Got home at 10 a.m. the next day. So, Is there a lot of arson attacks in Milton Keynes, Brett? Um, <laughs> occasionally. It's, uh, yeah, just some, it's, Will, it's, Grigg, some... Will Grigg cleared for MK Dons at one point, didn't he? Uh, yeah, Will Grigg was <laughs> on fire when he played for MK Dons. <laughs> they actually, they actually got to sing that song that we, that we paid £4 million for. <laughs> <laughs> Good song, though. It's a great song. Yeah. That's, that's the problem with Will Grigg. I just wish he'd score more goals so we could sing it. Uh, right. James from Durham travelled from Scarborough to Sunderland on several buses in 94 to see us lose on away goals to Millwall in the League Cup. Took seven hours there, seven hours back. Is, is Scarborough to Sunderland several, several buses? That's not too far, is it? I don't know who was in charge of this trip. It was, it was in 1994, though. Ah, okay. so I don't know how far back you know is Scarborough quite a dated place <laughs> but yes I've never been to be fair so I can't I'd, say, really I'd say it's about two hours from Sunderland unless it's just because maybe there's no like direct bus or whatever I don't know we'll never know well, yeah seven hours to watch us lose to Millwall in the League Cup that's uh I mean some of these are just like they make you feel like they're all films <laughs> Like some sort of like documentary or something. I yeah. feel like I feel like I've completely missed out not having experienced something like this. Yeah. So I think this next one you, you want to miss out on it, basically. Andrew Tong writes now it's obviously because these are Twitter, so it's not quite the full story. But I'd love to know more about this. Flight he was in uh, Krakow in um they're coming to watch Bournemouth in 2015. Flight delayed, home at 10 p.m. Friday. Um, he went with, sorry, Ellie Barlow. So I'm guessing that's his missus. Took her straight to A&E, stomach pains, sent to Durham Hospital. Found out she had appendicitis. Left hospital at 3am, bus at 4am. Um, we were two down after 10 minutes. Uh, had no sleep, no drink. So he's obviously, you know, he's, he's done all that without having a beer. 
But he left the hospital and she needed emergency surgery the next day. It was gangrene and close to bursting. I've not lived it down since. Jeez. <laughs> Incredible. That's I mean, real. <laughs> That's really like, yeah, I mean, I'm not kind of condoning that kind of behavior <laughs> my my wife would add my <laughs> story for that yeah i mean i have been to plenty of games where i've been probably sat there thinking i wish i was in hospital i'd rather be in hospital right now <laughs> yeah same here <laughs> yeah, who's the real winner here mm. I was, yeah but, but you know you know how much as i'm some like your mrs holds a grudge against you she will be bringing that up every single time he does anything <laughs> yeah oh. definitely it'll be a case of like oh you want to go out for a beer what about that time that you know he's literally got a lifetime of pain yeah. from that and he didn't even get a win out of it and didn't get any sleep or beer out of it so <laughs> that, that, that is a crap away day yeah and, um, and he co- and he come back from Krakow as well it's like you know like was that the end of a holiday you know why come back for a Bournemouth game you know in the middle of an, oh, I, geez, <laughs> whoa, it's weird <laughs> questions I like questions. how that's the least the least weird part of this whole story is that he's coming back from Krakow. He's skirted over that to the point. Yeah. Of, you know. yeah. Read the first sentence, you're like, this sounds good, but then it gets forgotten about straight away. <laughs> this one made me laugh as well, actually. And also because of the blokes, I'm guessing his nickname has come from the story. So it's Brownie and his Twitter handles are at Brownie84SAF. Oh my God, what's coming now if it's Brownie? What is coming now if that's his nickname from this? Comments should, we have, should we have a guessing game? I don't want you to have a guess because it would tell. <laughs> <laughs> Commentary away 2003. Dad made some sardies for the way back. Picked up some packets of brown sauce before the match. They burst in me pockets. So some pockets full of sauce for match and way back. <laughs> I bet that stank. I bet that absolutely stunk all the way out. Ever since then, he was known as Brownie. I can only assume that his name might be John Brown. It's also one of the weirdest stories for a nickname that I've ever heard, I think. I think, like, normally a nickname is something to something that's boring to do with your name or something that's, like, really, really, like, extreme that you've done. So the fact that it's just, well, not just, but the fact that it's such a weird story about brown sauce and now it's yeah. called brownie, that's impressive. I've got two more and then I'll wrap this up. This is from uh, Caroline Montgomery. This is a, a long distance travel, this one. Well, long time travel. Um, Preston away. I live in, I lived Putney, so no trains to Manchester from London. So I had to go via Leeds, York, meaning a 5am start for the first tube. We got hammered 4-1. The train from Preston broke down somewhere, somehow got to London, but after the tube stopped, so two night buses and home at 2am. Nightmare. So getting up at 5 in the morning, getting home at 2am, and you've been battered 4-1 off Preston. That is a crap day out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's almost as crap as Peterborough the other week. But yeah, that, that's I'm obviously joking because that was horrific, but nowhere near as bad as what Caroline's had to go through. I'd be... Ugh. I wouldn't get. I wouldn't have got home. I'd been asleep somewhere in a ditch or something. I've got one last one now, and um, don't ever get in a car with Mark Evans in the nineties. By the looks of it, um, right. Spurs nineties did a three sixty in the snow um, on a one. Liverpool nineties, the rear axle snapped. Everton <laughs> Everton nineties seized engine. Um, Wigan 05 just missed the petrol tanker <laughs> and then a home game 05 um, from Dubai booked the wrong flight was a day late bought a new flight to, to London Heathrow which was snowed in hired a car eight hour drive take the train oh, <laughs> that is just, you're, you're in Dubai man just watch on the telly over there I mean uh, I fear for the guy but you know there's a common denominator there 
I'd really not want to get in the car with him. No. no, no. But thank you very much for all your um, tweets today. I actually really enjoyed that. We'll have to do, mm. do another question like that again. That was very good. Apologies also to Brownie. I really hope that is a nickname and not just your name as we laughed about it. But guys, thank you very much. Um, you have been listening to the Roku Report uh, Exiles podcast. Michael, Paul and John, thank you very much for your time. Pleasure. Thank you, Brett. No worries. Yes. Yeah, thank and, you very uh, much. We hope to hear from you all soon. Take care now. Take it easy. I was laughing easy, all the way through that there. That away guide to Lincoln. <laughs> oh, sorry. Chucking away at myself. It was class. I just literally, <laughs> like, to be fair, Brett's built it up far too much and I just knew it. I knew you were going to do it, Brett, as well, but it yeah. didn't make it any easier. But it's not, it's, I love it. it's impossible. It's like. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.